So, your uh, your brand new car broke. Jody, I don't, I don't know if I even want to talk about this. It's so <laughs> frustrating. So, Wendy and my daughter were going to run down to Orlando for a few days just to celebrate school being out. They get about an hour and a half out of Atlanta, and she calls me, and we, we have a Kia Soul, and it was the car that I bought, you know, um, about a year ago, about a year, year and four months ago, I guess. It only has 7,500 miles on it. And so she's like, the car's active. She starts, the transmission went out on the thing. 7,500 miles. It's in the shop right now. It's unbelievable. But what's funny is, I think you're having car problems too. And the only reason we're sharing this with everybody is because we just want you to know that, you know, yeah, we have a podcast and blah, 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 whatever, but we're real guys that have real problems. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, both of your cars are, are, are jacked up right now. We're not all three. Every vehicle, including the motorcycle, is broken. <laughs> so the motorcycles broke because you don't ride it enough. But no, it's broken. Yeah. Listen, I was uh, I was working on my Volkswagen the other day outside because yeah. I'm like, dang, I I got to get something running. I get the bus running, and uh, I've been praying since we moved into this house for our neighbor. I've tried to have a million conversations with our neighbor, and every yeah, time yeah. I'm working on the bus and thinking like this is a great conversation you know he's like right there and just waves and goes in never never talks right so then the other night i'm working on it and i actually really need to get it fixed and i'm close and he comes over and he's okay i have to ask you you know what what year's your bus and we start talking well next thing i know he's going to get in tools and he's gonna help me fix it and i knew i was in trouble when the crowbar came out right because that's not normally (laughs) Yeah, you don't need a crowbar typically. No. Typically. Yeah. So I went backwards. Like he, we were, he was breaking stuff. It was bad. So, so, but I had this amazing, like four hour conversation with him about the gospel and about church. And, but the whole time I'm having this conversation with him, I'm like, really just want to fix my car. <laughs> like, just yeah, for really, real. And I really don't want you to break it anymore. So, you know, we, I, I haven't been able to work on it because yeah. he normally, he normally for the week, he's sometimes he'll go away because he works for uh, like the power company doing substations. He's been home every single night since that day. And I'm afraid to go work on my car because I don't want him to come help me. You know? yeah. <laughs> and so I finally had somebody come get the car and the bus and take it. it and it's funny that you say that because when Wendy's car broke down, we went down. So I, I said, well, I'll, I'll come bring you Abby's car. And y'all can take it, and then I'll figure out the whole thing. So I went down, like, and I drove an hour and a half, so it was like, you know, an hour south of Atlanta. Got down there, had to call a wrecker, and this guy pulls up in this massive wrecker, one of those big ones with, you know, where you put the car on the back. Like, it's they don't pull it behind it. Like, they put it yeah. up on the thing. So yeah. it's like basically a, you know, a trucker-like dude or whatever. And I'm about to ride with this guy for an hour and a half. <laughs> and so, so I crawled up it. But the same thing, like you were talking about with your neighbor, I'm like, Okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to have a conversation. Maybe God's got a plan and all this thing, you know. And, dude, I'm telling you, I racked my brain. I asked this guy everything I could possibly ask, and I'm, I miserably failed. I never could get him to open up about anything, you know, whatsoever. But, um, but I got some great pictures because I was basically a trucker for an hour and a half. It was awesome, man. <laughs> I was rolling down the highway, and dude was listening to country music, which I like, and so I was singing, and uh, God was like, what's wrong with this guy? He's probably like, I need a new job, a new yeah. career. <laughs> Well, hey, everybody, welcome to the Longer Hall Youth Ministry Podcast. If you're start, if this is your first time, you're like, who are these guys? I don't even know what's going on. And why are they talking about their cars breaking down? Well, my name is Chris Trent. I am a, uh, I basically work in youth ministry in the state of Georgia. And on the other side there, that is Jody Livingston. And he is a youth pastor in California. And we love youth ministry and we love uh, helping people experience youth ministry for the long haul in the church that they're serving in and also for the long haul if they want to stay in youth ministry for a career. So um, great stuff. Man, awesome podcast today. We've got a great oh, guest. So in Matt Lawson, uh, who works for the North American Mission Board, talking about what he learned in youth ministry and how it applies to what he does now, which is church planning. Uh, super encouraging conversation. Uh, I'm really pumped about it, man. I think everybody's yeah. going to really enjoy it. I, I always know that it's a good it's a good interview 
when I'm making notes. When you sit back. Not yep. not because I'm trying to remember things for show notes, because I'm like, no, I need to go think through this on my own, or yeah, I need to have man. this conversation with our team. Or And I have a lot of notes. Well, that's the big secret about well, why we do this right here is because it allows us to have conversations with people that we want to have conversations with, which is awesome. Now, so, who would normally talk to us? Yeah. Because right? <laughs> we're just complaining all the time yeah. about our cars. The reason we're able to do this, though, is because we've got some awesome sponsors. It does cost a little bit to put the podcast on when it comes to hosting and blah, 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 and all that. And uh, thankfully, we've got people that help us with that. And one really, really, really big one that has been with us for a long time is YM360, Youth Ministry 360. And they do such a tremendous job with everything they do, with resources, with, uh, with books, with uh, content and with camp and so just awesome people that work there Andy Blanks is coming and doing our campus matter of fact uh, oh, fun. this summer so awesome awesome people so uh, if you're considering changing your curriculum for the fall you know thinking now would be the time to be thinking about that um, they've got some amazing resources there as well so check them out at Youth Ministry 360 and Jody if I want to save some money what do I do? Uh, you use the fantastic promo code called no out and it's it's they changed it so if you haven't listened in a bit you need to pay attention it's it's longer all the number four the letter u i like the fact that we're on video doing this right now but this and is I a podcast to, and you're and you you're holding up fingers like because i have to, to think you. through what i'm saying longer <laughs> hall number four the letter u that's it yeah that's it it'll save you 20 percent on uh everything we, we're pretty sure it won't save you money on camp they will not so uh yeah good so stuff. you should still try it I bought, a, I bought a well. set of fantastic books, by the way. Jody, don't you're about to make fun of me. Stop it's it. A, no, no, I'm serious. I bought I bought a, a, a bunch of copies of Consider This, you're written by the Chris Trent. Yes, and uh, uh, for our team, and I used the promo code, and, and it does in fact as a work. result, I didn't make as much money. I didn't make like three cent extra <laughs> for you. <laughs> so you mean you don't make that. a lot of money when you write a book? No, you do not. Uh, yeah, they, they're not the only ones that help us out, though. Man, there's this great little game, uh, not little game, uh, it's like a outdoor, indoor type game called Air O Sport, like you're the air outside that you breathe, the letter O, Sport. Uh, it's tremendous. Jody, you have one of these. Uh, yep. When I was working at Johnson Ferry, I had one of these, and it's a great game. And, Use it uh, all the time. Yeah. Use so it all check the time. it out, aerosport.fun. Highly recommend uh, you consider consider this game if you're looking for something it's it you know i always say it's like kind of like a you know kind of like an outdoor indoor nine square type yeah frisbee game frisbee type game so yeah it's fun oh it's so fun there's a million ways you can play it and then um our friends over uh with uh, helping with parenting resources yeah smartphones 101.com yeah barrett barrett johnson there great great job uh great great job great resources uh, in general for you, but the Smartphones 101, smartphones-101.com. Awesome uh, resource if you've got parents. Like a rock star. Yeah, if you've got parents that are, are looking uh, for a great resource to help them navigate. How do you – actually, somebody called me specifically about this. A pastor called me in Georgia mm-hmm. recently about how to help his, his kid uh, with this, and I recommended this resource because you're able to sit down with your kid and go through it. And so it's a good one. Um, and uh, Barrett's awesome, so check him yep. out. Also at Info for Families. If you info just for Google families. Info for Families, you'll find out all his resources. And we'll put links to uh, yeah. all those in the show notes yep. um, at thelongerhall.com. Good times. 118. Great, great, great conversation today with Matt Lawson. I really would encourage you, uh, if you're driving right now or listening, don't stop. It's really good, but you're going to want to go back and listen again. Uh, like I said, I have several notes that I made even just through the conversation. So yeah, it's a tad long, but it's good. It's because it's good. The content's great. And he talks most of the time. You and I barely jump in on this thing. So, so our listeners will really appreciate that. Yeah. No, no doubt about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll be great. So, all right, here we go. Matt right, Lawson. We'll jump in here in today's interview with uh, Matt Lawson. Well, Matt, welcome to the show. I'm excited you're here. Somebody who understands the left coast, right? Somebody who understands California can educate the Chris Trent of all the things. Dude, I've been to Disneyland one time, so give me a break. <laughs> it's not the same. It's not the same. It's not the same. The land where every interstate starts with D. Yes. Yes. The five. Come on. Yep, yep, yep. 
Uh, Matt, why don't you do this? For those listening, um, maybe just off the front here, just take a minute to uh, – I'd love for you just to share a little of uh, kind of who you are, your how you uh, ended up maybe in youth ministry, what that season was like even. We can talk through that a bit, and then uh, sure. and then we'll go from there. Yeah, well, grateful to be with you guys. Excited for you. Uh, I've, I've heard of uh, the podcast for a while now, and I'm excited to finally get on. Is this 118? Is that what this is? Episode 118. Yeah, you made it. You did it. I made it. <laughs> you did it. The long haul. Finally got in there. <laughs> you only well, had I, to quit youth ministry to do it. Exactly. I'm not even in youth ministry anymore. There's a tip. <laughs> Unreal. Well, hey, I'm, I really am excited to be here. I was in youth ministry for almost 14 years, uh, served uh, all of my time on the East Coast. Uh, God called me to ministry when I was 21. And from the time he called me to ministry, all I ever wanted to do was to be a youth pastor. And so as soon as I graduated from Clemson University, uh, I went off to Southeastern seminary in Raleigh, North Carolina, and uh, and I had been doing youth ministry since up until 2014 when we went to Los Angeles to plant a church. And so uh, I love youth ministry. It's it's what I've always wanted to do. Uh, and even as a church planter, uh, I, I just I loved it and I wanted to invest into it. And so I live in Atlanta now. We left Los Angeles about five months ago and I live here with my wife, Laura, and then I've got three kids. Deacon, who's 11, Roman, uh, who's six, and then my daughter, Eden, is 10. So Chris and I, fun fact, though, Chris and I served about 20 minutes from each other. Yeah, we were really close. And, I, you know, in probably nine years of being at Woodstock, which you were there the whole time, too, I think yeah. we only got together just a couple times, even though we knew of each sure. other. Sure, yeah, yeah. Well, I think at the time you were like a high school pastor, and most high school pastors don't hang out with middle school pastors. <laughs> so... <laughs> But you did hang kidding. out with Rick Young, our middle school. Yeah, I love Rick Young, yeah, man. Rick and I were tight, man. So, uh, yeah. Has he been on the show, by the way? He, he is not. To. He is not. We ought to have him on. He, that, that, man, he's awesome. So He did middle school ministry for 23 years. You need to have him. Yeah, for real. So now now you currently work for North American Mission Board. Yes. They're taking a lot of what you learned as a church planner in Los Angeles, and you're helping do that at the North American Mission Board. We call that NAM, but I know not all of our listeners are Southern Baptists, so um, – they may not know what that is. Yeah. So North American Mission Board is basically the the, the missions arm of, of the Southern Baptist Convention. And about 10 years ago, NAM was given the uh, commission, if you will, to, to specifically focus on church planting. So for the last 10 years, pretty much everything that we have done, everything we've put our emphasis on has been to plant churches across North America and uh, almost every year we plant almost 600 churches a year, primarily focused in 32 cities um, in North America. That's where 80 percent of the population in North America that does not know Christ lives. But we plant churches everywhere for everyone. So I've been here about five months and I love it. I love it. That's awesome, man. Well, you, you mentioned we live close. So here's here's what was interesting when I heard that you were leaving to go to Los Angeles to start a church because we're close. I know I know about First Baptist Woodstock, where you served. I mean, you were a part of a very vibrant youth ministry, and it's a great church. And at the time, Johnny Hunt wasn't going anywhere anytime soon, and he was a great pastor. And you were what, what a lot of people call like getting to be on the cutting edge. You know, so all of a sudden, when I heard, man, you're about to stop doing that and go plant a church in Los Angeles <laughs> and become a pastor. Yeah. Um, what does he like, think? Wow, man, there's something going on there. Like and, he must have gotten fired. Yeah, no, I didn't think any of that. I, I, I really didn't think any of that. I mean, I know that's the, but at the time I was thinking, man, God must have done something crazy in Matt's life to get him to this point right here, you know, to give mm-hmm. up youth ministry to go do that. So what was that like? Because I know some of our listeners at times wrestle through, you know, even though we do the longer haul youth pastor or youth ministry podcast here, we recognize that some God does move people out of youth ministry. So what was that process like? for you as you tried to figure out, okay, I'm going to leave youth ministry and go do this thing instead. Yeah, it was a painful process, to be honest with you, Chris. It really was. I'd been in youth ministry for 14 years, nine years at Woodstock. And from the time I said yes um, to, to, to ministry, but youth ministry specifically, I thought, I, I'm, I'm going to do youth ministry 
until I can't do it anymore. I think every youth pastor has a shelf life. Um, and at some point we, we, you know, God, there's another journey. There's another season. And I, 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 I was in a great season. I loved what I did. Uh, I loved where I did it. I loved the people that I was serving. And to be honest with you, I could have lived there for the rest of my life. I, I just loved it. But th- there was a, there was something going on that I just couldn't explain. I wasn't unhappy. I wasn't dissatisfied. I didn't think, Hey, I can do it better than they can do it. So let me just go do my own thing. I, it was just, uh, I, I, the only way I can explain it is the season of my life was beginning to change. So I, I had lunch with a mentor one day. Um, and, uh, he was actually the church planning pastor at Woodstock where I was serving. And so, uh, because I was having lunch with him, it probably would have been obvious if we'd have been out in public. So we sat in the back of the restaurant where everybody else couldn't see us. And I just said, Bill, here's what's going on. I can't explain it. I love what I do and I I do it for the rest of my life, but there's something out there that I cannot stop thinking about. And I'm not sure what it is, but for some reason I wake up every single day and the fault is, uh, to plant a church. And I've never wanted to be a pastor. Youth ministry was never a stepping stone to me. It was always, this is what God's called me to do. I want to do it for the rest of my life until I can't do it anymore. But I can't explain it. Something is out there. And he said something to me, and this is sort of a Jesus joke, but hang with me. He said, Matt, when the stirrings of Antioch begin to speak louder than the comfort of home in Jerusalem, you get the picture. Antioch is out there. Jerusalem is here. He said, when the stirrings of Antioch begin to speak louder than the comfort of home in Jerusalem, you know God's up to something. And that put into into words for me what was going on in my heart. I loved where I was. I could do it for the rest of my life. But there was something out there that I couldn't explain. And all I could think about for literally eight months was uh, I need to plant a church. And this is, this, is, this is the truth. I would wake up every single morning and the first thought on my mind would be church planting. And I would literally say either in a prayer to myself or I'd literally say it out loud. And I would say, thank you, God. But no, thank you, mm. because I wanted I, I, I just wanted to be involved in student ministry. So, you know, we walked through a season where we sought counsel from mentors. We sought counsel finally from our pastor. Um, uh, and I say finally, because um, I wanted to make sure this is what God was doing before I went to him, because I'm a very loyal person. Um, and, and so anyways, we, uh, we believe God called us to, to plant a church and we, there's a lot of memorial stones in the process and we could describe those that take forever, but we believed it was Los Angeles and we said yes to LA and moved there in January, 2015 and lived there until about five months ago. So we were there for about six years in a great season of our life, but it was a painful process. I mean, I, the, the last camp I spoke at for our student ministry um, it was the last message of the week and it, I, I literally was weeping backstage and I, and I could not go on stage for that last message because I, I was literally, I was shaking. I was crying so much mm. because I, I, because I didn't want to leave. I just, what I wanted to do, it's where I wanted to do it. But God said, go. And it was painful. It was hard. And, but, but we knew that God said what he said. And so there was no other option, but to go. And uh, we started praying Genesis. This will be the last thing I'll say, but my wife said, uh, we need to, we need to, we need to obviously start praying. And she said very specifically, we need to start praying this verse that I read the other day from Exodus chapter 33, verse 15 and 16. God tells Moses to go one more time. He's learned throughout his life to trust the Lord. And when God says go, he needs to go. And so Moses says, to the Lord, after God says, go one more time, God, if your spirit does not lead me up from here, then do not let me go. And so we began to pray that. And through our prayers and counsel from mentors, it was obvious God was calling us to plant a church and then very specifically to Los Angeles. Mm. I remember, awesome. Matt, you and I having a conversation in that season at some point and talking through that restlessness, you know, of, of that tension. Um, and so I remember how hard that season was for sure. I think it was towards the end when you and I had talked, obviously, about that. And mm-hmm. um, I think to a degree, you know, one of the things, and you know this, Chris and I have talked about this forever. You see so many youth pastors uh, experience uh, just they, they, a consistent leaving, right? Like every two and a half to three years, they're going to leave and go someplace new 
over and over and over. And uh, we meet, you meet a youth pastor that says, man, I've been in youth ministry for 10 to 15 years, but it, it's really just that two and a half over and over, right? Yeah. And the same story repeated four times. That's right. And, and sometimes, listen, we're not saying there's not a reason to sometimes sure. believe around that. But, Absolutely. But you grow so much beyond that point. And I think even, uh, you know, even when we were leaving Georgia and our mm-hmm. circumstance was a little bit different, we didn't know where we were going. Uh, I think it should always be hard to leave. I know even Chris, when you and I were talking about you stepping out and what was next, like there is a grieving process there. Um, that's well, and hard. it even, and it even lasts And Matt. I would, I would venture to say, you said it's been five months. Uh, it's been three for me and I still have moments of, I mean, even you having left uh, Los Angeles, you might be, it's like, I'm really excited about this new thing. But there are still moments where I'm like, oh, man, like I really miss that thing, too. And it's tough. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. Absolutely. Well, yeah, we uh, we, we grieved. We grieved the entire six years we were in L.A. We, we really did. I, I, I would be dishonest to say if there wasn't a week, um, you know, I talked to somebody every week from Atlanta and there I'd be I'd be lying to say we didn't grieve every week because of the loss of the last season. But at some point. At some point, you have to, you really have to figure out how to put that behind you and lead ahead, and and that was a challenge for us in LA because we really did love the season we were in. Yeah, good. Well, I'd love Matt just to take a, a few minutes and talk through how the one season prepared you for the other. Um, in terms of coming out of student ministry, uh, Chris and I have said often, uh, we I mean uh, clearly. We want guys to stick around and girls to stick around. We want we want folks to stay in youth ministry, not just for their life, but where they are. But we also recognize that there are moments where God calls you into a different season of ministry or a different role. Uh, we, we happen to think student pastors make amazing senior pastors. Uh, not that every senior pastor needs to be a student pastor. Or that student ministry is by any means a stepping stone into that. But we do think that some of those skills translate. I would imagine in church planning, it's similar. Um, so, and I would love just to hear a few things that maybe you'd think of that you'd say, "Hey, th- these are things I learned in student ministry that really prepared the way and helped me uh, in church planning." Maybe even some things that were unexpected that you didn't quite realize in the moment or season. Yeah. But, well, I couldn't agree with you more. I think youth pastors make the not not only great senior pastors, but I think student pastors make the best church planters because a lot of what we experience in youth ministry translates over to that first chair role. I mean, if you think about it, we're really doing most of or a lot of what senior pastors do, and especially church planters. Uh, we're, we're, we're teaching, we're developing people, we're recruiting volunteers, we're planning events. I mean, we, we're, we're managing budgets. We're really doing everything that a senior pastor or a church planner does. And so, quite honestly, I, I've been with a lot of youth pastors in the last month and a half because I think those guys make the best church planners. And I think a lot of those guys, and I think what we're seeing across the country is a lot of those guys are becoming church planners. But yes, there are a lot of things that I take from youth ministry that 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 were extraordinarily helpful as a church planter. And so I was trying to write down a few of those last night. And it's interesting because I was at a conference last month in Florida and it was a gathering of about 50 youth pastors and they asked me to speak on the exact same topic. So I know that I know that uh, I know that it's applicable. So one of the things I was thinking through was, you know, when we landed in Los Angeles, you've got a city of 19 million people. And I, I'd been there three days in my life before we said yes to church planning. Um, I, I didn't know, I didn't know the, uh, I didn't know the city well. I mean, we'd done some work beforehand to try to figure out the city we were going to, but when you land in a city like LA or any city, really as a church planner, you, you, you begin to do the work of a missionary and you figure out, you try to figure out how, how am I going to reach these people? So when I was in youth ministry, we asked the same question, how, how am I going to reach, how am I going to reach students? Uh, and, and, and youth ministry ask, well, well, where are the students? Right. So like if you said, hey, Matt, where's the best the best barbecue in the southeast? Well, I'd tell you there's two places that I would go if I were in the southeast. I'd go here and I'd go there. Well, when you ask that question about students, where are the students? Well, the reality is students are really 
primarily in one place every day for five days a week, and that's the campus. And so when I was a youth pastor, our how to reach students was the answer to that for us, not every youth ministry, but for us was, well, students are on the campus. And so uh, we, we staffed around it. We planned around it. We put budget to it. We put emphasis to it. Um, in, in church planning, you have to do the same thing. You do the work of a missionary where you, you try to figure out who you're reaching. You try to figure out what are the rhythms of the city. You try to figure out what what the idols are in the city, where are the people gathering. And, and, and once you do the work of a missionary, then you, you really begin to put together how, what is the strategy that, that we're going to employ to reach students. And so uh, for us, when I was in youth ministry, what we did was we said, the campus is the place where we're going to reach students. Obviously, Wednesday night was a, uh, for us was an attractional type event uh, where we preached the gospel and, uh, and and other things happened too. But but really, the outreach for us was on our campuses, and so we structured around that. And so from that, when I landed in LA, I said, I, I want to overlay the campus ministry strategy that we put together over our city and try to figure out who are the people we're going to reach. Uh, where are they gathering? What are the rhythms of the city? And how can we be in those places to reach those people? And there were times where we created things for people to be at. And there were other times where we figured out the rhythms of the city, like uh, every every December, every November in Burbank, which is where we were, um, there was an event called Holiday in the Park. And it was literally five, six, 7,000 people would gather on Magnolia Boulevard, the, the main thoroughfare through Burbank. And it was an already structured, planned out event. We became a sponsor, set up, had an opportunity to meet tons of people. And it was the same thing in youth ministry, trying to figure out where are the people. So I had a mentor um, early on in when we said yes to church planting. And he said, Matt, you really need to, you obviously you have to do the work of a missionary, but how do you do the work of a missionary? He said, I want you to think through it like this. He said, you can look at the city as a tourist. The tourist is somebody who flies in, flies out. They, 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 they're clueless to the problems of the city. They're clueless to the solutions in the city. So you can see the city as a tourist. So it's not how you want to see it. You can see it as a taxi driver. A taxi driver will ride through the streets. They can see the problems in the streets, but they probably don't care about the solution. You can see the city as a lifelong resident where you see the problems, um, and you want to know the solutions in Burbank, the, 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 the homeless situation had grown tremendously over six years as a resident in Burbank. You care about those things and you want to know what, what are the solutions. But a mentor said to me, as you're doing the work of a missionary, he said, you want to see the city like a cartographer. So the cartographer is the guy who, who, who draws the maps. He's the one who draws the lines. He knows where the streets are. He knows where the streets come together. And so that, that that was instructive to me. And I, I think that's one of the things that we took away from youth ministry. We really said, how are we going to reach students and where are the students and what's the plan we're going to put together to, to, to do it? And uh, I think it's important for every youth pastor to ask those questions. Matt, I think that's super strong what you just said. Um, and the way you applied it, for sure, what you're talking about there makes makes great sense. But as you were saying it, you know, as we talk about longevity, it occurred to me that youth pastors often when they move into new opportunities, they go through a similar process. I mean, are they going to go in as a tourist or a taxi yeah. driver or, you know, and I think the ones that are able to experience longevity are the ones that get past those first couple, but go into more of a deeper, I mean, this is my home. This is where, you know, and this is, and I'm going to learn the streets and I'm going to learn the solutions and, you know, all of those things. So, um, you know, I tell great. youth pastors quite often when, when they're, when they're brand new at a church, you're, you're only new one time. You're only new one time. You, you, um, unless, you a pandem- unless a pandemic, unless a pandemic. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> so when you're new to a city, you're new to a city, you, you can, you can type out an email or make a phone call or write a letter to a principal and say, Hey, my name is Matt. I'm, brand new here in the Woodstock community. I just, mm. I really want to serve. I really want to serve your campus. I'd love a chance to meet with you. You can only say to a football coach one time, Hey, I'm brand new here, man. I really have a heart for athletes and really serving coaches. And, and I just really like to set up a meeting with you to figure out how, 
we can do that. So you're really only new one time. And so I think it's important, just like a church planner, when you come into a city, what we did when we got to Burbank was I didn't know anybody there, but 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 one out of 17 people in America is from Los Angeles. So everybody knows somebody from there. So before we left, we said, hey, do you know somebody? We asked everybody we could, do you know somebody who lives in L.A.? And we made a list of like 100 people. This is my brother-in-law. This is my college roommate. This is, you know, whoever. And we'd make phone calls when we first got there. And literally for six months, all we did was we sat in coffee shops, Tyler and I, which is uh, one of the guys on our staff. And we said, hey, th- the way we got in the door was we said, hey, I'm new to Burbank. I just moved to a city that I've never lived in. I'm from the East Coast. Would you, could I buy you coffee or lunch? I'd really love to hear, a, you know, if you can help me navigate living in a brand new city like Burbank. It's, it's, it's supportive. Awesome. It's good. Yeah. And uh, there, there's a I was thinking through this this another concept of yeah. um, of um, of this idea of multiplication of ministry, if, if that makes sense. Um, I think a lot of times in youth ministry, uh, I'm sure you guys do as well. Uh, but I encounter youth ministries and, and, and maybe youth pastors sometimes that that are the chief bottle washer and the cook at the same time they're doing everything they're really doing everything um and so i i was new at woodstock and i had a heart for for football teams and so i i connected with about three or four different football teams and said hey we'd love to do your pregame meal for you and so i was um I was uh, arrogance on fire is what my my seminar <laughs> professor said. And so I thought, man, I can do this. This is great. So actually, Laster football team, we did their, you know, Laster well, Chris. We did yep. their pregame meal for a while. We did the pregame meal for Woodstock High School. Uh, we did it for Kell High School. And then I think there was another one. And so uh, that first football season, I've been on the job like six months. I was on a Friday afternoon, uh, Friday morning, I was scrambling around buying hamburger buns. I was buying ketchup and mustard, the cookies, the chips. I was doing it all. And then after I did that, I'd get back to the church. And we had this big grill and I, I had the grill set up uh, one Friday morning between the A and the B building. And so the B building is where my office was. The A building was where my boss's office was. And I was out there. I mean, I'm just sweating. My clothes are just dirty. I'm I, I'm out there myself flipping burgers about for about, uh, I guess it was about four or five hundred hamburgers. I was literally cooking myself. And my boss walks out. He's on his way home. He's on his way home for the weekend. And he looks at me and he says, "Matt, what are you doing?" I said, uh, "Well, man, I got this. Op- we're cooking hamburgers for the football teams. It's exciting. I got three or four, you know, plays. I got to deliver here." And he looked at me and he said something to me that, that was so profound. It really changed a lot of what we did and what I did at Woodstock. He said, Matt, he said, Matt, I didn't hire you to be a cook. I hired you to be a youth pastor. And that was all he said. And he said, have a good weekend. And he went home. Truth, and so what that truth bomb, boom, that, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. I have and, told and so, that story, Matt. I have told that story so many times because you've shared that. We, we talked about that before. Uh, especially coming here, right? Because when I you walk into a place, it's like, why are you guys doing all this stuff? You know, like, yeah, there are people who would love to do this. Absolutely, that, that you are taking an opportunity away from uh, to to plug in and to serve. That's so good. So, it, it, and it's so true. But 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 the underlying principle behind it is that is that ownership is really the super glue to keeping people connected to ministry and in youth ministry, a lot of times for whatever reason, we hesitate to ask people. We're not good Mm -hmm. at asking people or at, at worst case scenario, we just want to be the hero of every situation. Mm -hmm. But the reality is the reality is if I'm going to multiply what I do and who doesn't want to multiply what they do, uh, the reality is I have to, I have to multiply myself into other people. So my boss would say, he, I have so many Alan Taylor isms. And, and one of those was he, he'd give this illustration of a table, like a six foot table. And you just put bags of sand on the table. When there's no more room on the table to put bags of sand, you need another table. If I want to do more ministry, I need more tables. I need more people. I need more people who will own what I'm doing. So in 2007, uh, we, were, we were doing our own summer camp. Um, we were putting together our own summer camp and, um, 
it was exhausting. I, I, I participated a little bit in it in the first year. I come in on the back end of it, but I could still see this was, I mean, the, the weight of planning a summer camp in-house, which, by the way, at the time, we were a staff of me and a middle school pastor and an administrative assistant in a youth ministry of, at the time of about five to six hundred. So it was crushing for me to do it. So I, I met with uh, a guy named Blake Evans uh, after summer camp at, at uh, I think it was Ruby Tuesdays. And I said, Blake, man, I, I, I think you have the, the gift of administration and the ability to lead people. Would you, would, you, would you take on the ownership and lead our summer camp? Because I think it would be so much better if you would. So there's a long, long story to it. And, but what happened was um, he took ownership starting that day. Uh, that was 2007. Um, they go to camp. That same youth ministry goes to camp in three weeks, and Blake is still leading summer camp today. And what he did was he said the same thing that I said to him. Hey, can you take this part of camp? Can you take this part of camp? I know that seems like probably an obvious principle to many people, but I think there's some youth ministries and maybe some youth pastors out there that, that really need to hear, if you will multiply yourself, you can do more ministry. And in church planting, when you arrive, in a city where you know nobody and it's you and Tyler, um, really you don't have ministry to plan, but once the ministry begins to grow, if you want people to own what you're doing, you got to hand it off. Yeah. And uh, that's a principle we took from youth ministry into church planting. Yeah. Cause you're not saying that you never will have to flip burgers, but you are saying that if you're Correct. wise, you won't continue to flip burgers. That's exactly right. right. Hey, come yeah. flip burgers with me. I've been flipping burgers for a while. Come flip burgers with me. Yeah. Oh, by the way, next week, can you flip the burgers yourself? Yeah, and, and, and if you if you go try to plant a church somewhere and you're just still doing everything yourself, you're never going to grow in it. Because you're, you, you're going to have a you're going to have a ceiling and you're going to hit it, and you're not going to have any more. Yeah, that's great, man. It's good. What else you got on there? What else? Anything else on your list? Um, yeah, no. I, I this is this is a big one. Uh, it's a, right. and this is the re, This is one of the primary reasons I believe youth pastors make great church planters. And that is because in youth ministry, we learn to do more with less. Mm. We yeah. learn to do more with less, <laughs> right? Oh. Yeah. I mean, you're laughing because you think about the fundraiser you, you had to plan, right? Because you didn't have the budget for it. Well, I'm laughing for right? multiple reasons. Yes. Yes. On that. And yes, at how often, and you'll know this when I'm saying Matt. if you serve at a big church, everybody thinks, Oh, well, I mean, you've got, <laughs> You've got tons of money and you, you know, and you're going, you've got tons of volunteers and you're going, no, I've just got tons of more problems. I mean, it's, yeah, yes, so anyway. that, yeah. it's, it's a great misunderstanding. You hear that all the time, yeah. and, but it's exactly right. So in, in church planning, you don't initially have, you don't have buildings. Um, a lot of times you don't have staff. Hopefully you do. I think that's the best way to plan a church is not by yourself. Uh, um, and so you, you, you Oftentimes you don't have a ton of resources at a, as a church planter and you got to just figure it out. So when we got into Burbank, um, we were we had planned on meeting in a movie theater in downtown Burbank. And uh, obviously to meet in a movie theater, it's not set up for, for, for what you need to, to host a, a Sunday morning service. So we engaged a company that comes in, basically does a site visit over two days. They look at the facility. Uh, uh, the, 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 and, and then they, they, they just basically map out everything you need to function on a Sunday morning as for everything from sound to video to kids ministry toys. I mean, literally down to the, like the, the doll that the, 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 the kids will play with in kids ministry, they map out everything for you. And so we walked them through the facility we were meeting in. Um, the next day we met at Bob's big boys, the original Shoney's in, in Burbank. And, um, and he said, okay, here's the plan. And went through like this, this 15 page document. I mean, just detailed, here's the cords you need. Here's everything. And, and, and at the very end was $117,000. That's what it's going to cost you. $117,000. Now we, we had raised, we had raised a lot of money to be just very honest with you. We had raised a lot of money in the process, but as a youth pastor, I had learned that you have to do more with less. And in my mind, I thought I could spend 117,000. I probably have it, but I can do it. I can, I can do it better. I, I can do it for less. And so what we did was we went online, found the trailer, a 24 foot trailer. We found all the cases that were used up in uh, Boise, Idaho. 
We drove over to Boise, Idaho, and this big 350, um, uh, Ford 350, which, by the way, Tyler wrecked before we even got out of the Enterprise parking lot. Um, <laughs> we picked it up, brought it back, cost us $6,500, probably would have cost us 25000 if we'd have bought it from the thing. We ended up doing everything that was on that sheet for about $40,000. And why? Because in youth ministry, I learned you got to do more with less. You got it. That's why I think youth pastors are, are, are the best church planners because they're the most creative. They're entrepreneurial. They figure out how to get it done. So when talking about campus ministry, I said, this is our strategy. This is how we're going to reach people. We, we've got to have a presence on our campus. Well, at the time, it was me. It was Rick Young. It's a middle school pastor. We had an administrative assistant, and we may have had like a part-time something else. I don't remember, but there was like four of us at the time. There was no budget on the horizon for hiring another staff person to, 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 to figure out how to reach kids on campus. Uh, there, there may have been a budget, but so, so what I said was, you know what, rather than hiring one person to figure this out, because this is our strategy. And when you base strategy on the vision that you have, you'll, you'll take bullets and you'll stand up and watch them whiz past your head. And I was willing to do that. So we said, this is our strategy. This is what we want to do. Rather than take one salary, let's make this into seven salaries. And what we did is we ended up hiring interns fresh out of college who wanted to do youth ministry. We promised them a job after they'd stay with us for one to two years. And if they'd stay with us for one to two years, we'd find them a job. But your job and you're accountable for it, and I'm going to hold you accountable for it, is you're going to be on campus every week. And I want you to reach students, and I want you to be in relationship with students. And so you just – and so for – for uh, I don't know. I hate to even what, tell what you what the number is. One of my guys took one of those jobs. You remember Akil? Akil Mills? I do. Yeah. Absolutely. So he, was, he was a guy that went over, and I was excited for him, man. And I would run into him at FCAs all the time because he was tasked with those with those schools. So, yeah, it's yep. good. He was over at uh, 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 Booth Middle School. That was his campus he was assigned to. So you take a certain amount, and we just said, hey, we can do more with less. And it was a big deal for us. Why I think youth pastors make great church planners because you can figure it out. That's awesome. That's awesome. I think we see that. I think, and maybe we'll get to that in a bit, Or, but even now that's more important than ever, right? You've got um, coming out of COVID, we've talked about it endlessly, it feels like. But the, the mm. idea of doing more with less is going to be more important now than it was beforehand in so many ways. Less volunteers than you probably had. You probably wow. have less kids coming back than you had. You may have less budget than you had. You might, depending on your context, you might have less staff than you had. Um, mm. and so being able to, how do you do that? Being intentional about that is going to be really, really important. You may not. You may have had a, a way of doing ministry for years at this point that you you've just been doing, you know, maybe you had budget dollars there. You had a program there. You had something that you were doing that is gone, uh, that you no longer have at your disposal. And so how do you reinvent that and do that? again? You know, when we were, we were going through a building, um, campaign at Woodstock, uh, this was before I ever got there. And Rick Young was the middle school pastor. And I brag on Rick a lot. I love the guy with all my heart. He's one of my best friends. I just love it. You guys really should have him on the show. He's so we were going through a building campaign. Uh, I mean, a massive building campaign, like huge. And and what happened was everybody's budget dollars basically got trimmed to almost zero. So just think about a youth ministry, yeah, a middle a school church. Ministry. That doesn't happen. Every <laughs> <time>. <laughs> yeah, I'm just <laughs> I get it. I trust me. I get it. I'm laughing because I get it. And I've heard yeah. it. 250 middle school kids and eleven thousand dollar budget. All right. 250 middle school kids, $11,000 budget. Rick will tell you to this day, if you call him and you put him on the show, he will tell you, I reached more kids. It was the most fruitful year of ministry I ever had mm, because you on. figure out how to do more with less. Yeah, that's awesome. And by the way, the more with less, and this is, this, is what, this is the last one. This is kind of a segue, honestly. I didn't intend for it, but it just works this way, so let's go with it. But the more with less, it always comes back to people. The more with less is always relationships. Mm. And so one of the in youth ministry, it's all about relationships. My boss said, this is one of my Alan Taylor isms, which I love to death and I'm a better leader because I mean, he would say it's about the people stupid. And he didn't mean that in a derogatory way, a demeaning way. It was uh, just an old, it's about the people. And 
Um, and, and it really is. That's what it is in youth ministry. It's about people. Ministry is about people. So when we went from Woodstock to to, to, to Burbank, you know this. Both of you guys know this to be true because both of you have led large ministries. But the larger the ministry, a lot of times the less relational the, the, the first chair leader's role becomes, if that mm-hmm. makes sense, or, or at least less relational with, with the most amount of people. You, you, you're probably more relational yeah. with a fewer amount of people, right? But a lot of what we do, the larger the ministry becomes, is it becomes more administrative, it becomes more vision-oriented, it becomes uh, leading a staff who leads the ministry. So, you know, at some point in, in, in ministry at Woodstock, that, that's what it became. I mean, our ministry grew significantly and I was leading staff and, and doing um, fewer things. I mean, more things with fewer people. And so when I went to Burbank, it was it was re- church planning was really a reset uh, for, for why I originally got in ministry. And if you think about it, why all of us originally got in ministry, when I said yes at 21, I got in ministry because. I love students. I wanted to see students come to faith in Christ. I wanted to see students discipled. And 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 it was church planning was really a reset for why I got into ministry. It's about relationships. I, I think as we I mean, Jody, what a great thought there. I mean, as we're coming out of COVID with less than we've ever had, it's about relationships. It's mm-hmm. about people. So the first six months, I think I said this earlier, the first six months we were there, literally all we did, it wasn't complicated. Church planning is not complicated in the early seasons. Uh, it's not complicated because you don't have a ton of stuff. All you have is people. And so for the first six months, Tyler and I would sit in a, a Starbucks or we would sit at Simply Coffee or we would sit at a coffee shop and we would we'd literally just meet with people. That's what it was about. We were investing in people. We were discipling people. We were sharing the gospel with people. It was what it was about. It's what ministry was about. And I took that from youth ministry, especially my early days in youth ministry. It was about people. Ministry is about people. And people are craving that right now more than more than ever before it feels like. You know, they're they're craving that relational experience, which is awesome. Yeah. So yeah. How do you no think doubt that, about it. I mean, coming out of COVID, so many youth pastors are discouraged. I mean, I think Chris and I have had so many conversations with youth pastors who are seeing I mean, I, I even think of a conversation I had just this week, like and they're just not coming back, you know. Mm-hmm. I had youth pastors. I mean, we had like 15 kids at our D now this year. We're used to having you know, over 100. Like, what you know, you're seeing you're seeing folks discouraged. Some some, uh, I think most of us are seeing a smaller percentage return than we were hopeful for. Um, maybe budgets are have been impacted because giving has been impacted in some contexts. Staffing decisions have been made in some contexts. You've lost volunteers, all those things we just said. In this season, it feels more like church planting than than maybe ever, even as a youth pastor. It's kind of a relaunch, right? A reset. Um do you see are you seeing that? I mean are you thinking through that and what would you say to those guys? Other than, I mean I know we just talked through several things you learned that apply there, but or maybe some principles as a guy who leads church planning, some principles that you've learned as a church planner yeah. that you can now reverse and say, hey, as a youth pastor now in the middle of this trying to rebuild after COVID, here are some things mm-hmm. I've learned that could help with that. Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. And um, as I've reengaged back on the East Coast and reengaged some youth ministry stuff over the last month and a half, I've heard the same question. In fact, I was asked to speak on a very – same topic about a month ago. And so, yes, guys are asking those questions. And I I would say, um, one, um, in in a lot of ways, uh, I think it can be, um, I I don't know if we view it this way, but I think it can be a reset. It can be a reset for why we originally got into ministry in the first place. It really can be because we're we're starting over. Some places are really starting over, and uh, I, you know, in a with a football analogy, I would say, in a lot of ways, we just have to get back to blocking and tackling. And uh, in in 2020, ministry is so complicated. Information is doubling so quickly. We're trying to be so creative, and we're doing so many things. What happens is when we first get into ministry, there's this purity of motive. 
Like I love people. I want to see students get saved. Uh, you know, I want to disciple students. I want to spend my time investing into people. And then as ministry goes on and all the things that happen in ministry happen, whatever those may be, the emails, the angry parents, the parents that want their kid to room with this kid at summer camp and that kid's already signed up to be rooming with another, you know, you know, all those things. When those things start happening, then, then we kind of default to this mode like, like, I'm just going to do whatever I can to get more kids to show up to justify the budget that I've got, justify my worth as a youth pastor compared to the conference speaking youth pastor I look up to. And so in some ways, if we can really have a reset of our thinking, this, this, this is a moment to return mm. back to why we originally got in ministry. And I would say the things that we originally did in ministry are what win the day. They're relationships. They're investing in people. They're, multiplying ourselves into other people. Like I got to a point at Woodstock where I'm literally trying to, I'm like, I'm making up opportunities for people to have ownership. Like, you know, I'm developing this, the senior advisory council. What do they do? I don't really know, but I'm just trying to get them to own. So I'm just trying to figure out more ways to get people involved. Well, at the beginning, there were a million ways to get involved. Uh, and, and, and there was a purity of motive and there was a purity of relationship. And so, you know, I think of, uh, of course I went to Clemson. So forgive me if you guys are Georgia or whatever you are, but, uh, I ain't Georgia. I'm gonna tell you that. All right. Good. All right. We can, we can, we can, we can breathe. He's worse. (laughs) What are you, Chris? Roll Tide, baby. Okay. I, you know what? One of my best friends in the world is Roll Tide. I can respect Roll Tide. I married into It was one of those things like, do you want to marry my daughter? Like, yeah, I do, and and they're South Alabama, and so I was like, "Is I'm not picking all this shirt on?" Yeah, you, know? <laughs> you know, so <laughs> no, I like, but I, you know, I like I like pulling for winners though, so that's good. So yeah, so, well, Alabama doesn't have to. You beat know what that's chest. like, they... Matt. Now Jody doesn't know what he's like a Tennessee fan. He does. He has no idea what winning is like. But I Matt, don't know. You, he I mean, was you probably can relate what, to winning, you know. So, I can yeah. relate to it, baby. This is a good season. It's actually the worst possible time to live on the west coast when your team is winning national championships on the east coast but that's part of the reason i moved this seemed, felt like a great time as a tennessee fan just to get out <laughs> just to, just to, just to get away feels like 98 uh, though this year that's, come that's on what everybody says this is our year i hear you Next i have no though. idea where we were headed with all that we totally just got to <laughs> bad. i have no idea that's a rule oh. in youth ministry for me by the way a rule in youth ministry on stage is if it Never mention college football unless you're ready to lose the room for a second. Because in the South, if you mention college football, I'm telling you, everybody's like, roll tide and, you know, go dogs. And everybody just, you lose them for, and you got to, it takes you a minute to get them back, you know. That does not uh, happen in California, Chris. I bet it It absolutely does not happen. No one cares because everyone is terrible right now. It is a pro sports town. I was preaching in Columbia, South Carolina, which is obviously the, the, the hometown of the rival of Clemson University. And I was preaching there about two years ago. And the, the pastor is a, is a great friend of mine, but he's also a graduate of our rival. And so in between, I mentioned that I, you know, I was, I graduated from the state champions of South Carolina, Clemson University in the first service. Somebody met me in the, in the hallway afterwards. And they said to me, Finally, the spirit of God has come on the pulpit in our church. Oh, <laughs> now wow. listen, now listen, now listen. Immature me got up in the second service and repeated that statement. Yikes. And the place lost it. Oh, my God. I had yes. to apologize. No yeah. decisions yeah, yeah. that day for Jesus. Nobody doing it. <laughs> Ain't nobody coming down there an altar call. <laughs> exactly. Man, oh yeah. Man. I don't know. Well, I know where we were. We were talking about blocking and tackling. That's where we were. Now it's starting to feel like the longer haul podcast. Okay. Now we're back. <laughs> um, when Dabo came and he took over a program, it wasn't in shambles, but they just had to return to some basics, man. And I think that's what Dabo did. He focused on the right things. And I, I think that's been one of the reasons why they've, they've been successful because he focused on the right things. And, and yes, the right things are blocking and tackling and football, but even more so the right things were building people and relationships and doing the right thing. And so, yeah, man, I think in COVID a return to some of the basics, the blocking and tackling. It's a, it's a, if we can just shift our thinking that, Oh my gosh, this is now what I've got to do. And it's an opportunity to return. It's an opportunity to, to reset. 
It's yeah. good. It's good. Well, Matt, it has been awesome having you on and and uh would love to have you on again at some time for sure. But you know, I had a couple thoughts throughout throughout our conversation that we've just had and somewhere in the middle of it, um of the conversation, it occurred to me that there may be somebody listening that it's possible that God's going to use this podcast today to stir something in their heart related to church planning. And I know where your heart is now and what God's done with you now, um, before we, before we completely shut down, can you, can you tell folks where to find you and how you're willing to help them, you know, with this process and what that would look like and where can we find you, you know, on the socials and all that type of stuff? Yeah, I am on uh, Facebook and Instagram, Twitter. Um, to be very honest with you, I'm not as engaged as I used to be, but I am there. Would love to connect there. Matt Lawson 77, I think, is across the board, all of my uh, socials. Um, but then, yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think youth pastors do make the greatest church planners. And there may be some guys out there. I've literally talked I, I, every week. I talk to somebody in youth ministry or ministry, but particularly youth ministry, who says, I think my season of youth ministry is coming to an end. Um, and I think church planning may be the next one. And so if that's you, I would love to. I, it's really what I do at the North American Mission Board is, 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 is talk to guys who are thinking about church planning. And so if that's you, I'd love to talk with you, connect with me. Uh, by email. Uh, my email is, this is complicated. I don't know why it's so complicated, but it is M-A as in Matt, M-A Lawson, L-A-W-S-O-N at NAM. Complicated again, North American Mission Board, NAM.net. Sorry. Oh, that's rough. Can you we know just, why they do that? They do that why? because they still want you to carry a business card. I, I, I don't have the, one. I haven't carried the, one in years. I'm laughing, dude, because mine is C C Trent. This must be a Baptist thing or something. Like, you just, I mean, I don't know what the heck. Because when I got there, it was like, what's my email? C Trent at GA Baptist, you know, and I'm like, yeah, yeah. can I, can, can it just... just be Chris Trent? At G- <laughs> like, or Chris, or what about just Chris? <laughs> I'm guessing it's not taken, you know, like anybody uh, probably got it yet. I mean, I'm the only one here named that. And so, <laughs> Baptist, making it hard to get to Jesus since oh. 1876. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. No, it's M.A. Lawson. <laughs> you want that shirt. Let's, oh, let's print that shirt and wear it to the uh, convention this summer. Let's do it. I will uh, if you will. I- I'll high five you when I see you. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I appreciate you guys letting me be on, man. I sure do love you guys. Grateful for you. And thanks for how you're leading youth ministry. It's been great. Yeah. Hey, thanks for taking time, jumping on with us. Uh, It's been good. I I always, Chris and I have said this to you. Every now and then we get an episode where we just sit and listen and take notes. And uh, I always appreciate those. This was certainly Mm -hmm. one of those. So. Thanks, man. Thanks for what you're doing, and thanks for how you've invested. And thanks, I would say even, I remember when I got to, I'll, I'll say this and then we'll let you go. Like, when I got to Georgia, you and I had worked kind of, we knew each other for a little bit from Southeastern. You'd been at the Y, I'd been at the Y. We had some mutual friends and stuff like that. Um, And uh, you and I had lunch pretty early on. I don't even know how it happened. But, uh, maybe I came over for something you were giving Chick-fil-A. At a Mexican restaurant in Kennesaw. That's what it was. And, uh. Man, from day one, you were just a huge encouragement to me and helped me, even some of those things we're talking about, navigate a bit into a new context and uh, and continue to be. And honestly, even when we moved to California, uh, when we knew we were coming here, kind of reached out and, uh, you know, you gave me a couple really good, just helpful things to think through that, that really positioned us well, even though we're, we're, we're not in L.A. by any stretch of the imagination where we live, uh, but we're close enough. And so, uh, yeah. Man, I just appreciate it. Grateful always for your wisdom, for your friendship, for how you've invested in people and the, the, and the kingdom impact you've made and and continue to do so. So thanks for that, and thanks for coming on today. It's been good, man. I appreciate it. Jeremy Love you guys. Man. Keep it up. Grateful for you. 